Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Man, goodness, it's so good to be with you. Uh, two weeks ago, we had the opportunity to take 15 middle school and high school students to church camp uh, over the weekend for three days, and we had an incredible time, like an amazing time. We got to spend tons of quality time together, and I would say maybe too much quality time together together. Uh, I came home tired after that, and, and after spending a weekend with middle school and high school students, I realized there's, there's some things I forgot about teenagers, and so I want to point out four quick things that I forgot about teenagers. Number one, the amount of effort it was going to take, specifically middle school boys, to get them to shower, like... That was crazy. The, they were almost like offended when I told them, hey, it's a requirement that you shower every day. And, and the, let me mind you, in case you missed our recap video last week, uh, we were up in Lake Arrowhead and we were playing color wars. We had water balloon fights, relay races. All day long, these kids are out in the 100 degree weather sweating. And then they wanted to come into my cabin and not shower. And I'm just like, that's not happening. You guys are gross. Um, and I, I just come to the acceptance that your nostrils and the ability to smell doesn't kick in until high school. Uh, and so we're giving those middle school boys grace today. Number two is every single one of them that had a cell phone brought their cell phone with them to, to church camp. Like when I was a kid, that wasn't even allowed. But also we were in the mountains. Their phones didn't work. On like the first day, I caught a couple kids just sitting in a circle on their phones looking at pictures. I'm like, you guys are really that bored right now. Like, we got to fix this. But every single one of them that had their phone brought their phone. Number three, if food was involved, they were never late. Like, they were always on time if food was involved. If I needed them to get to chapel on time, could not make it happen. If I, if I needed to get them to games on time, could not make it happen. But they were not late when it came to eating. And lastly... I realized how little sleep they could survive on. I mean, I think they average, at least in my cabin, average like three to four hours of sleep a night. And I need more of that or else I get real cranky. Like, you, you will not see this happy Noah. And, and so they, they got a, a little bit of my bad side. I will, I'll be very transparent with you. Um, but it was wild. It was a great time. And so thank you for letting us go to that. And, and you might be like, Noah, why are you telling me this? And today, I've uh, titled my sermon, Priorities. Will you say priorities with me? Look at your neighbor and say priorities. Today, I want to take a time to walk through three things in life that God has called to be your priorities. Three things in life. But before I get started, let's pray real quick. Dear Jesus, I thank you for today. God, thank you for giving uh, me a word for this church. God, I pray that I would get out of the way and you'd be able to flow through me. God, and I pray that the words that I speak would not fall on bad soil, God, but that it would, it would find its way to good ground and it would be planted on their heart and they would start to change priorities to reflect your wants and desires. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? For those of you who don't know me yet, my name is Noah, me and my wife. Jay, serve as your youth pastors here at Generations. Oh, thank you. 
And it's crazy to say, but we've served here for the last year. Can you guys believe we've been here for, you have put up with me for a year. Like, and I, I want to say before I get started, thank you. Man, uh, thank you for accepting my family in. Thank you for loving or putting up with me. Thank you for loving my wife. And thank you for loving and looking after my kids. Man, moving thousands of miles from our home and our family was tough, but it's been possible because of how well you have accepted us in. And, and so today I want to talk about priorities. I, I read a quote from a well-known businessman here in California saying, there are two things that are difficult for most people to do. To think and to do things in order of their importance. In order of their performance or importance, also known as to prioritize. A huge benefit, though, as we look at these three things that God has called us to do, is that God has been very clear with what our first priority should be. The Bible is very transparent in what our first priority should be. So let's look at the book of Matthew, specifically chapter 6. It opens up with teaching about a few hot topics, a few big topics. Chapter 6 opens up with teaching about giving to the needy. That's a big priority, right? Giving to the needy, taking care of the poor. That's a great thing to prioritize. And then it continues on and says, it starts teaching about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. That is two huge, important things that I think you should prioritize. And then it continues down to teaching about money and possessions. Don't worry, I'm not going to get into that one today. You don't have to leave. I promise I won't start talking about your finances or anything. But that is a huge, great thing to let God prioritize for you. But then the last two verses in Matthew chapter 6 say this. Matthew 6, 33 through 34. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Other translations quote it this way. Seek First, the kingdom of God. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, Matthew 6.34 was the very first Bible verse I ever memorized as a kid, besides like John 3.16. I'll never forget the night that I memorized it, actually. I was in children's church in the basement of Waterloo Open Bible, and my children's pastor's name was Linda Buell. And she wrote this verse on a whiteboard. She wrote it down. And she said, I have a prize for you if you can memorize this verse. And I, I was sitting next to my best friend since I was like a year old named Bryce Rumsey. And he was messing around. Uh, and we were trying so hard to memorize this verse. And she was going to give us a fruit roll-up for doing it. Like, that's a big prize when you're a kid, man. I'm not playing around. And so... But the thing is, is she was like antagonizing us a little bit. Because while we're trying to memorize this, man, I'm reading this thing more times than I've ever read anything in my life to try to get that prize. But she's just cracking these fruit roll-ups open and she's eating them right in front of us like one after another as I'm trying so hard to memorize this verse. And I, I remember how proud of myself I was when I'm when I could recite it back to her, she turned the whiteboard around and she let me read it and I got it. And like, it stayed in my heart since then. And at this time I was in maybe fourth or fifth grade 
But my children's church pastor knew the, the importance of putting our priorities and our hope in Jesus. And it stuck with me till today. And that's what these verses are teaching us, right? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Your number one priority should be this. It's a priority to have a relationship with Jesus. This is a relationship for yourself. I can't have that relationship for you. This is something you have to take ownership of and you have to choose to do. Me preaching to you won't get you to heaven. You have to take ownership of this. Let God's presence determine your next priorities. And when your priorities do not have God at the center, you will always be left feeling empty. But one thing I know is when I seek God first, his provision will never fall short. So this one is so important. Make your relationship with Jesus a priority. Make eternal things a priority. Or else everything accomplished here on earth will be a waste if you lose that reward in heaven. What is it that Jesus said in Mark 8.36? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? Your first priority needs to be seeking Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus. I'm going to be talking out of the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke 4 opens up with Jesus being tempted for 40 days straight. He's fasting and the enemy is tempting him night and day. And then in verse 14, he's now in Nazareth where the people decide to reject him. And something to know about Nazareth is this is like his childhood hometown. These would have been the friends he did schoolwork with. These would have been the friends he hung out with. They rejected him and pushed him away. And now we're down to verse 29 where it says, they mobbed him and tried to push him off a cliff. Why would they do that? They did that because he claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so they try to push him off a cliff. Chapter 4 continues, within one day Jesus then goes and casts out a demon. Then later into that night he, he heals several people. Then after all of this, it says, Luke 4.42, early the next morning, Jesus went out to be an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. When they finally found Jesus, you know where he was? He was isolated to pray. He had just had a huge day of ministry. But yet, he isolated himself to pray. Not to sleep more. Not to detox from social overstimulation like some of us may need. But to pray. Because Jesus made prayer a priority. Frequently we read of Jesus going out into deserted places to escape crowds. Or, or maybe going up a mountain to get away from herds of people. Or like this time where he goes to an isolated place. Hear me, this wasn't because Jesus didn't love people. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but Jesus loves people. He loves all people. He loves you and me. 
And he always had a, had a way of making time for people. And he always had a way of sacrificing himself for people. But Jesus realized something. He realized that people were not his number one priority at this time. As much as he, he came to save all people, he also acknowledged that they were not his number one priority. His priority was with his relationship with God the Father. And Jesus knew that he would be worthless to people if he was not in constant fellowship with God the Father. Jesus knew that he couldn't serve people to his highest potential if he didn't make time to be with God the Father. This is what we see Jesus doing throughout his entire ministry. But if we would look at ourselves, I'd say most of us, myself included, would say, hey, I've had a long day. I need some time to just relax. Or when we've got a big day tomorrow, we say, hey, I need a good night's sleep before my big day tomorrow. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, I got a big day. I just came down from a huge day. I need to go spend some time with my father. So let's be students of Jesus as we make a relationship with God our first priority. Point number two, priority to your family. We have a priority to Jesus, and now we have a priority to your family. When it comes to our relationships, our focus is usually in all the wrong places. So how do we fix our focus? Besides from our relationship with God, that is our next responsibility and priority. Psalm 68.6 said, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Why would this verse put, be, be placed with these two next to each other? Why would lonely and families be placed with prisoners being set free? That's crazy, right? It's because that is the priority that Jesus and God have placed on family. Exodus 20 verse 12 says this, catch this parents, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And all the parents said, amen. But don't get ahead of yourself, right? Stay in the pocket. Psalms 127, 3-5 says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. And all the kids who just had their parents give them a little side eye, or maybe they squeeze their leg a little bit, said, amen. Oh, wow. Kids are sleeping in here. It's all right. Hey, we'll move on. It's because they're preparing for youth ministry tonight. That's why it is. Catch this, though. Ephesians 5.25 says, for husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And on the other side, it says, Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. No, don't forget the second half of that verse, okay, husbands? Submit to your wife as is fitting in the Lord. 
Then we got Colossians 3.21 that says, Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Any aggravated children in here? They will become discouraged. Then the last one I want to hit real quick is is Genesis 2.24 talks about this. It says, Why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. See, the Bible is full of instructions on how to love your family even when our families don't meet our expectations. God is always with us even when our worldly families let us down. And the Bible reminds us that we are not alone in our struggles and that God understands what we are going through. And I kind of want to pause here for a second because I want you to hear me. Maybe you're out here and you're like, man, my worldly family sucks. Maybe they're all gone. They're, uh, they've abandoned you or they're not talking to you. Or maybe they were making choices that affected your life so much in a negative way you had to put up healthy boundaries. I grew up with my, my mom and dad. They were, they were youth pastors, uh, but their youth ministry was huge at the time. It, it ran a couple hundred students, some sometimes a hundred, I don't know. But our house was constantly full of students whose family had rejected them. And one thing I've learned about family is that even though we didn't share the same bloodline, I still viewed them as my family because that's what God has called us to do, right? And so maybe your bloodline family isn't what you are wanting God has still called you to family. God has still called you to be a part of this bond that is closer than anything it could be. God instructs us in James chapter 1, verse 27, to do just this. It said, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You have to place a priority on family. You have to place a priority on family. And my last point, point number three is this. A priority to serve. A priority to serve. We're all busy. But are we busy doing what really matters? Your priorities could be preventing your progress. But the thing about priorities is this. Priorities require persistence, but it's hard to stay persistent if you don't understand the purpose. That's a lot of P's. Priorities require persistence, but it's hard to stay persistent if you don't understand the purpose. So why are we called to serve? Rick Warren, the founding pastor of Saddleback Church in Texas, puts it this way. Your time and your money dictate your priorities. He says, show me your calendar and your bank statement, and I can tell you where your priorities are. If you looked at my bank statement, you'd probably see a little too much Starbucks, so we're we're working on that one. Maybe a little too much golf, my wife would say. But show me your calendar in your bank statement, and I can tell you your priorities. Are you currently serving? 
Are you serving your church? And I do want to acknowledge how good our church is at this one. It's so awesome the amount of you that have served week in and week out. It, it's crazy. It's, it's way above national standard, right? Like the average serving percentage in a, in a local church is like 20%. And I want to say we're probably somewhere around 50. Like it is crazy how awesome we do at this one. But you need to look at your own life. Are you, are you serving? Are, how about are you serving in the community? Let's make it bigger than church, right? Let's make it bigger than this building because this building is not the church, right? We are the church. So are we serving our church? It's so fun watching some of you guys on, on Facebook serving the community. I, I think of John Spoon who serves Little League. My daughter was on, yeah. <laughs> My daughter was on his t-ball team this year. And it's cool to watch how many people in this community knows who that man is because he serves his community. Are you serving the community that you live in? Right? If our purpose statement is to gather in community, grow in Christ, and go serve the world, are you serving the world which is your community? Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, in a previous ministry, I was a connections pastor. As a Connections pastor, my job was to get people that were new into the church into serving, to get them volunteering. And also I led the team of volunteers, which ranged from 30 to 50 people. And one thing I heard every single time I was onboarding new volunteers was this, hey, I'm excited to serve. I just don't want to serve in this area. I'll serve on the greeting team, but don't you dare put me in the kids' ministry. I'll serve in the resource center, but don't ask me to be in parking lot duty. It's hot out there. But I love this church leadership mindset that says this. We cannot expect the classroom in which we are trained in to look like the calling in which we are heading. Where you are training will never look like where you are finishing. And most of the time, I would place people in areas to see if they were still going to be faithful even when it wasn't convenient. I remember two guys by the name of Cody Larson and Robert Chaplin. These two guys had the most gold hearts when it came to serving. Like, no matter what it was, they were there. Like, if we were putting out mulch at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning, they were there, like, helping. And, and Cody specifically, every week until he was able to build a team of people, he ran our live ministry, which puts all, all of this out to Facebook it, it, and YouTube and all of that so that people could watch online. But unlike here where you're actually in the room a little bit, he was up in this, like, attic above the sanctuary. And this attic did not have air conditioning. Uh, it had, like, a fan that sometimes worked, and it got hot up there, and we had to keep it dark so it didn't mess with the lights in the sanctuary. And I remember when I would be drumming or playing guitar or speaking, I could look up there and see Cody, and he was always worshiping. Because he knew that he wasn't serving for us. He was serving because it's what God had called him to do. And you know, Jesus modeled this same heart. Let's look at three scriptures. Luke twenty two twenty seven says, Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who serves at the table, of course, but not here. 
for I am among you as one who serves. Or Philippians 2.4 that says, Let each of you look not only at your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And definitely need to be modeled after Mark 9.35 that says this, And he, being Jesus, sat down and called the twelve. He's speaking about his disciples, right? His twelve closest friends, his twelve ministry partners. He sat them down and said to them, If any of you would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Don't expect the preparation to look like the promise. Maybe God has laid something on your heart for what he feels he has called you to do in ministry or maybe called you to do in the the community or called you to do at your job, but you can't view where God has placed you in a season of preparation for what God has promised you. You can't doubt what God has told you in a season of preparation because he's preparing you. The other complaint I would hear when people started to serve is this. I can't serve because I don't have time to. I don't have time. But here's the funny thing about time. Time is the one thing you'll never have more of. You have more time right now than you will ever have. And if you don't have control of your time, you won't have healthy control of anything else. Can I slow down for a second here and, and talk with you personally? You may be asking yourself why I, I'm reading this message to you, why I'm preaching this message to you. And I, I shared at our team rally a little bit this morning that this is actually a message that God laid on my heart for me. As I'm telling you, church, that you need to evaluate your priorities and where your life is going currently, I did this two months ago. Two months ago, I spoke in April, and I came to Andrew afterwards, and I said, I am fried. I am tired. I am worn out. I have lost control of my priorities. I was burnt out. And I, I, I didn't have any moral failures or anything like that, so don't, don't get thinking anything crazy, but I was worn out, and I had neglected my family. Like, they had fallen on the back burner in place to help getting this church up and running. I was spending more time here than I was at home, and it was not what God has called me to do. It's not what God has called you to either. And I had to ask my wife for forgiveness. I had to apologize to my wife. I had to apologize to my kids. You know, I I have zero plan on going anywhere, okay? So hear me. But if I left today, you could replace me pretty quick. You could find someone to do the work I'm doing. And, And I don't mean in a way that you will forget me, but After a few weeks, after a few months, you would move on, maybe a few years, because I'm pretty good. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Had to ease it up a little bit. But you would eventually move on, and there would be new people that come in that would know nothing was missing. 
It's not the same for my family. My wife knows when I'm gone. I travel for work as well in my, my corporate life. And so I'm, I'm already gone for that a week, a month. And they know when I'm gone. My, my kids know when their dad's not there to play with them. They know every minute I'm gone that they can't come to me and say, Daddy, can we play? They say it a lot. And you know what? My wife also knows when I'm not there to play with the kids because they come to her and say, Mom, can you play with us? But I committed to my wife and kids to keep them as a priority. And so as much as I, I, I'm challenging you with this, this is something I challenge myself with. And this is something you need to evaluate today. Where are your priorities at? Do you have a relationship with Jesus, or is it a Sunday morning religion? Is your family a priority? Are you doing everything you can to serve your family and lead your family? And then are you serving? Don't let church, work, hobbies, anything. Move your family down on that priority list. In closing, I have three facts about life that you need to understand. Fact number one, you can't do everything. Number two, they're already up there, so you're reading ahead. Stay with me. God does not expect you to do everything. Somebody needs to hear that. God does not expect you to do everything. And number three, there are only a few things in life worth doing in the first place. So today as we leave here, I want you to take a look at your priorities. Where's your time? Where's your money? Where's your effort? Are you focused on things in life that really matter? Be self-aware or else you will end up like a middle school boy without a shower. You will stink. Everyone will know that you stink. But you are not investing your time into the right areas, which will fix and solve your problems. Where are your priorities, church? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you for, for your word that is written on our heart. God, thank you for aligning out in the Bible where our priorities should be. And God, I pray that as we reflect on our lives, God, that we would start to build our life and our time around what you have called us to be. God, thank you for being gracious and patient with us. God, in the training, God, thank you, God, that the practice field does not look like the promise. And God, let us be servants for your heart. Let us be servants to your ministry. Let us be servants to your church. And I thank you for this church, your church, generations. And everybody said, amen. Go and check your priorities today, church.